Welcome, and thank you for tuning into Organon, the official podcast of all LGBT Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data, insights, and change. Over the last few years, we've seen several social movements arise, which all deal with relevant contemporary social issues. On today's episode, we reflect on some of these modern acts of solidarity, social movements of decades ago, and compare them all to answer the question, are modern protests effective? Present today to discuss this topic from San Diego, we have myself, Carl Etamendi. And Jasmine Etamendi. And Casey Schaap. And recording from two and a half hours north in Los Angeles, we have... Courtney Hirose. I might not even be right about the two and a half hours. It's like three. Okay. Who's counting? Well, it's uh, two and a half hours, no traffic. If you're talking about traffic, it's like a six-hour drive. It's but basically a whole new country. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in line with today's topic, with protest, four hours. <laughs> Casey, take it away. So, as you know, today is a big, big day for women. The protesting everywhere. And, um... January 20th. Yeah. Yay! Um, but, you know, something I think a lot about, about these protests, you know, you have the Black black rights, Black rights, Lives Matter, gay movement. Every year we have gay parade, and now this new trend of women going to the street and protesting. And, God, the, um pessimistic in me kind of feels like this is is it really effective or are we becoming um sheeps for corporations to brand themselves as socially conscious um you know entities and they're kind of like duping us into uh like adhering to these values so that they can make more money and i don't really see any progress in these movements and when you compare movements in 1900s or civil rights movements I feel like those have been a lot more effective, and I feel like today people just go in the streets just for sake, and I don't see any any movement behind it. And um, I just was curious what you guys thoughts for that. If these if protests of today are effective, or we're just using it as a chance to you know, face bomb and Instagram and Twitter, market ourselves. Thanks for setting the tone, Casey. So I think <clears throat> that when it comes to social movements, that when people want something, it like society behaves cyclically. First, they ask for something that they think they need or that they want. And when they don't get it, then they demand it. And then when they don't get it, then they fight for it. So then I think it's kind of like those three things that there's like a, like, like a cyclical um, process in terms of discovering that there is something that's that's not right for example and then moving forward with it so then like when we think back of um like the civil rights movement for example right that had like a very clear objective there was lots of people that were behind it it was initiated by student clubs and organizations and it was kind of like a sequence of events that started small and then it it had a really big influence because it was able to quickly um bring in a whole bunch of people very rapidly to for for the cause but to casey's point it kind of seems like um now that there's like a a lot of pop-up movements that that come here come up here and there and one thing that saddens me a little bit is that i mean i'm i'm a big i'm like looking back at other social movements you can tell like wow that was like a really big impact that they caused like um you know disorderly conduct and they blocked roads and and did what they had to do to get attention and to make sure that um that the decision makers recognized that there was something wrong and that they needed to uh, take steps towards making sure that they corrected whatever um was wrong at the time but now i feel like you know people tweet things and that's the extent of their um of their civic involvement is that they tweet. And I saw um, on a comedy show where they were interviewing a millennial about voting for Bernie Sanders. And he was like, yeah, I voted on Twitter. And it was, you know, kind of funny. But I mean, at the same time, like a lot of people are very quick to get on Twitter and say what they want to say. But then when it comes to actually getting out there or doing or, or, or registering to vote, 
even for like their local government officials, you don't see that happening. So it just uh, made me wonder whether or not there's other reasons for having social movements. Maybe there's there are people who are making money off of it, maybe selling like T-shirts and and like marketing material and whatnot. But I don't know. I don't know if they're as effective as they used to be back in the day. Cordy, what do you think? Well, if you think about it, some of these things, you're you're saying them, but how long did it take for women to get the right to vote? You are looking back at a period of time and you're like, they protested this and then they attained this, right? But it was over a course of years. We're seeing a rise in protests now. You don't know what's going to happen in two years. If anything, from a woman's perspective, I would say for a women's march, yeah, they're there might there there's selfish reasons to everything. I totally agree with your guys' point. I think people are gonna make money off of any opportunity. It's just people are like that, unfortunately. But I think it also rises the point of that girl who's walking that march now feels empowered that she has a voice that maybe she didn't feel like she had before. I think things like that also help inspire and spark certain things like the Me Too hashtag that kind of blew up and kind of just highlighted the just the amount of sexual assault that was happening just rampant across everything for everyone. And I I know right now it might not seem like there's immediate change, and I totally agree from that perspective, but I really do think that it's a process. If that's the way to make the loudest noise to get you heard, then I think more to it. Things nowadays, unfortunately, if it's not popular, people don't care. So if the way to make it popular is to have a march and get people to notice, then that's what you need to do. Um, to Carl's point about the cyclical part of things, like we, the election, the Democrats lost, Trump was in power, and people ha- are having to fi- figure out what they can do to help remedy their situation. In Alabama, all African-American women came out to vote, and now we have the first Democrat, I think it was governor, in that area in a very long time. So... Or no, Senate. So Senator, it's like, yeah. yeah. So now it's like there are little things, but it depends on what you're defining as effective because you're. I think all of us are in the mindset like, oh, nothing happened. It doesn't matter, like in an in instant. But you have to think about the long-term longevity of it. Like if you expect everything to happen the day after, like Martin Luther King Jr. and then everyone else came after that, if you expect something to happen that next day after he was assassinated – you would be kidding yourself to say that movement was a failure. But I think right now the focus is to tunnel vision instead of looking at it from a wider scope. Mm -hmm. But then, so then it's, I think it's tunnel vision, but then it's also a lot of tunnels because Martin Luther King, for example, there was one movement and it it was tiny and then it grew really, really big. But now we have movement, Mm -hmm. movement after movement, after hashtag, after hashtag, after hashtag. So then instead of focusing on one very like, relevant issue and then focusing on growing that one and making it making a statement about it we had like reset on on our like social movement button and then start over with a new one so then i think that can also be problematic too because it never gives people in society who want something the opportunity to really focus and make sure that the demands of the people are carried forth oh man you bring up a really good argument like both of you my thing is just like these movements are making people feel like self almost a sense of self-righteous that say deals as oh you know like um we're victimized we're hurt we want to make change and i don't know i just kind of feel like it it, it it shuts down a conversation like um i can't have a conversation with feminists because the moment i disagree it, it looks like i'm like a bad dude and now, okay, I'm happy to be gay, so I'm like part woman. So to me, that's okay. <laughs> but think of like a straight man having that conversation. It's just like, I feel like these movements are actually cr- creating divisions. And um, like, I mean, just like the women's movement, like most of them, a majority of them are liberals. Like, it, it's not inclusive. What about the conservative women or conservative men? Like, it, it's really saying... In the end, it's like, this is all belief. We are right. You're wrong. You're like, you're a horrible person. You, you're not really careful, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's like either or. I, 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't have evidence to support it, but that that's the, the, the feeling you get when you have these kind of movements. No, I... Sorry, go ahead, Justin. I was going to say that this is part of that whole process of solidarity, and it's important for, for us to have these marches, and these marches mean something because Planned Parenthood has been cut. Planned Parenthood has been very supportive to teenagers and that are you know can't afford certain services or or even um, receive birth control so that has also helped prevent stop teen pregnancies because there's alternative methods to that so now with all these things that are being it's just more of yes there's policies that are allowing more opportunities but we are like we are still underrepresented and we we still have to work 10 times harder than you're at the average male and we're still being underpaid and we still only get a certain amount of time after you you go through labor to go right back into work into the movement of things knowing how that process is so there's there's a lot of things that are that the system is made for a different type of you know old school generation and now we're moving forward with like we have new demands and new needs that we need to make sure that for the next generation that these that these voices are heard because this is what people are standing for and it's that solidarity that people come together. Courtney, you going to say something? Oh, I was going to, like, I totally agree with what Jasmine's saying, but I know, I think you have a point, Casey, about it. It does create divisions, I would say. It does highlight one popular opinion versus another opinion. But those opinions, they felt that they needed to highlight it because they weren't being heard. So now people understand and they hear it. I think it's less of a, you're saying that people can't talk and people can't talk like you're scared of it. But now you know that they have that choice, that there is an issue with that, and then you can move forward from it. I think it's more of educating Maybe some people are too far gone, but maybe there's just educating the population and how to talk to each other. There was a great, I believe it was a Heineken commercial where they put a pro-abortion or pro-choice person and an anti-abortion person together and they just talked. They just sat and they talked, but they they felt very strongly about each other. There was also someone who was homophobic and there was someone who was transgender and they just, they had, they talked. They just sat. They knew nothing about each other and they got along perfectly. But then they found out and then they played the reel of the person talking about how there's like pro-choice is like the only decision and having an abortion is like this super vicious, malicious thing. And then they after that, they kind of understand that, yeah, you have differing opinions, but it's really about the compromise and the consolidation and being able to talk through them or else you're really not going to get anything because people don't change if you're pushing something that's too far off of what they're used to. Everything is kind of a slow compromise into what's moving forward so you just reminded me of something so basically the solidarity and the going out there empowers people and it gives them a voice and they're exercising their free speech right mm-hmm. okay yeah so then why <clears throat> when i don't know who it was but there was a very right-wing conservative person went to go speak at a school in california mm-hmm. oh they and get, it's the the and Coulter. i don't know the name but mm-hmm. the students like rallied against that and they didn't want that to happen. So then mm-hmm. it's like you there there's always going to be like two polar opposites, right? People who are very pro A, very anti B, people who are very pro B and anti A. But then mm-hmm. like the Heineken commercial, like you said, the people were there just talking it out. But I think that sometimes like when you take a, a, a stance, you're like one thing is to say I support this thing, but then there's also people there who are also saying by being there I'm also anti that. I feel like protest divides rather than unite. It it really it it, it unites people like minded, but it prevents conversation to talk about the social issue. Like for example, the Black Lives Matter movement, like it was very divisive socially. It created a lot of anger, animosity, and like reciprocal reaction i mean they brought up really key points that we need to talk about but it's it created a lot of <laughs> anger and hostility and um i mean uh well i'm not sure how the the recent women's movement thing will be like but 
like the issues that you know Jasmine talks about it's important yeah you know the planned parenthood and the funding of being cut and um like women being in uh, like uh, not being treated fairly but it, it it leaves a bitter taste in the mouth um and also i mean okay devil's advocate again why do women why should it be fair in the office because i feel like life is unfair like i don't know like like what is the rationale that things has to be fair all the time um like am i missing something mm-hmm. like, i think, think it's more way? of a i think if it's more of a chance to be given a fair chance because it depends on where you're putting that fair placement if you're saying fair in terms of performance just because a dude is making more and if he's working harder, the fair choice is for him to make more money. But if a woman can't even be part of the conversation, then like, I think that is kind of just, that should be fair. Like if I can't get a job just because my name is a female name and I don't get any support from anyone and I can't get a job because I'm just a girl, like I feel like that's a valid argument that I should be able to have the opportunity to at least try like and then because then you'll make then people are downcast for being homeless they're like oh yeah that Korean girl she can't get a job she must be a waste of life like now she's living on the street why didn't she just get a job but it's because no one would hire me I applied to a million places and no one wanted to give me a shot Mm -hmm. is that right too from like an outside perspective if you're thinking in an extreme so then do you think that it would be most fair to have a like a triple blind recruitment process where they don't know your name they don't know your gender they don't know where you live and they don't know which schools you attended because there's also discrimination based on that too where there are certain schools that if you graduated from them you you float to the top and Mm -hmm. if you go to other schools that might be like maybe tier two or three schools maybe you went to community college Mm -hmm might be perceived like, oh, well, I wonder what happened there. You didn't get into the top school. Well, there's that's a huge distinction between the community college. Huge distinction between community college and, like, an Ivy League school. Right? I mean, like, I think there's... Well, it depends because there's also legacy in Ivy League schools. So mm-hmm. if my dad went to an Ivy League school, I can almost guarantee that I have a spot in that school, too. When it's my turn to go to college. Presidents do that. The presidents do that with that legacy program. But at the end of the day, you have to think about merit. And so if you are going into an Ivy League school and you, you're not the son of a president or anything, you're you're going to be able to take the SAT and score super high, right? So that that way you'll be able to get a full scholarship to get into this type of institution. So then you, you think, oh, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Carl and Jasmine, <laughs> both of you are in a merit-based public system. Has it been fair based on merit? The way you see how the work promotions and like how people got treated and that kind of stuff. Do you think it's effective? I don't think it's based on merit. Because yeah, the whole, uh, the whole... Of how long you let, stay in the company, you know, you can't get fired because of tenure and all that kind of stuff. Well, maybe because you know the old business school mantra, it's who you know. It's who you know, right? Mm. So it's like you also have to be at the right place at the right time next to the right people, market yourself. So then you do have to kind of like promote yourself also because you can be a fantastic, you know, like admin assistant and be really, really good at your job. And then your boss can be like, no, I'm not moving you up because I don't want to lose you. But you really want to move up. Mm-hmm. So then that person really earned their way to move up, but they hadn't. Then there's also the case where the person has earned the opportunity to move up, but they don't want to move up because they're comfortable where they are. So then I guess it just depends. But I don't think it's absolutely merit-based 100%. But I do think that there's certain things that can make it a little bit more fair in terms of, like, your inputs. So one one um, entity that's kind of like that is the military, right? If you're interested in going in the military and you're fresh out of high school, 
you go in as an enlisted member. You start off as an E1. And then based on your performance, how long you've been in there, the career path that you take, you you rank up. Every year you get pay bumps. And there's like a table that shows you after one year of service, you're going to make this. After 10 years of service, you're going to make that. But then you can also always make a little more. If you go to college and put in time into that and effort and you get a college degree, then you can move from an E to an O class, which is an officer class. So now you're making more money, right? Like what, you know, typical like white collar job would make. But you're now like in a leadership position as an officer. But then it's kind of like the same thing. If you want to make a certain amount of money, you look at the table and then you see. But then in those kind of situations, then you also have people who say, well, you know, I've done what I needed to do to be here at this level, but I've done all these other 17 other things. And I feel like I do um, like I, it warrants more than that. But since they're abiding by, by the policy, you're stuck at your level. Here's what's not mm. fair. And this is like part of life. All of us work really, really hard through school to get here. All of us are very smart and all right. But we all have like a shitload of debt, a lot of debt. And even as the, 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 the job that we have that's really, really good, better than counterparts, we still can't even afford to buy a freaking house. That's not fair, but that's part of life. Like, I think it goes back to, like, that's something you have to deal with. Like, it's just insane that, like, we follow the rules. We did what they told us to do. We did everything that what they taught. And we can't live the same American dreams that our parents did or our grandparents did 20, 40, 50 years ago. Like, that to me, like, I, I don't know how that relates to all the issues, but it's like... The, I see the protests and I see all these like movements being what's fair and not fair. It's like, deal with it because you're complaining. Like this, like, the, there are forces that you can't control. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm too extreme, but that's, I was just thinking, like, because like, like not, life is not fair. Mm-hmm. But you just reminded me of like the Boston Tea Party, which I don't know too much about, but from, my dreams about it, uh-huh. right? <laughs> they were upset that they were being taxed, and then they were like, "We're not paying for the thy tea," and then they threw it in the ocean, and then <laughs> you know, whatever. All and, Americans were pirates. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there you go. They're like, "Ah, we're not paying for this," and then they just whatever. They threw it in the ocean, and then that was their form of protest. Well, you know, I like detour. There's a, a theory about that. It is the argument that it's because the king stifle a free trade market and they use the, the tea as an excuse to separate so they can, it's about profit in the end. Mm-hmm. So it, it was the capitalist, the growing mercantile capitalist society that's been, impo- like, been trying to, the king tried to control the power through taxing and they basically had enough and that's why they had the, the revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the issue there was the monarchy, not the capitalism part. Well, I think... All control, money. Solidarity is important. And the reason why... How many of you heard, like, about Me Too? No. What's that? <laughs> I didn't. It I went have, viral. I'm not... I'm, I have you know, opinions. Courtney can probably provide more <laughs> insights on, like, you know, how the analytics about that. But just like that, like, these types of awareness and, and campaigning, like allows you to see through the masses like how people are being impacted mm-hmm. because you at times only feel that you're being impacted by as an individual but when you share your your story with others or your experiences or inequalities that are happening you're like wow I'm not the only one like this is happening this is real these are like concerns like societal systemic issues that are happening mm-hmm. and so bringing that awareness mm-hmm. what is your thing because I have a point in that too Okay, I'm getting nervous about providing my opinion first before Casey does, but okay, I'll do it. So the the thing about the Me Too, I think it's important and I think it's relevant and I'm glad that people are, are raising their voices and, and showing how much of an issue it is. But then I think there's also a lot of men who are being wrongly accused because it's about... We're seeing a lot of allegations of sexual misconduct, right? 
but that's what they are. They are allegations of sexual misconduct. So then there, there has to be like some of, some of the men that are being accused of, of being, um, sexually inappropriate might have not really been, you know, being that way, or perhaps they didn't think they were, or that it was welcomed because of whatever reasons, right? So, but like, I guess my point is that, like, for any crime, you're innocent until proven guilty, except for that, you're guilty right away. And I think that's also an issue too, because if if you accuse someone of sexual misconduct and they didn't really do it, like you can ruin that person's life and they might kill themselves. So I think it's like a serious thing. I think it goes both ways. Because then if you're saying that, then if you're a rape victim who doesn't want to say anything for like two years, you're scared of just people treating them that way. And like this girl lied when she really didn't and she was just too scared to get a rape kit right after. Then you like, I think that's why the Me Too movement has importance and the fact that like you kind of need to know that it's okay to say something because if maybe someone holds you too close, maybe someone like follows you and they think it's okay because it's okay. Someone grabs your your ass and they're like, okay, yeah, well, it's okay. It was harmless. I didn't do anything. It wasn't like I raped her or anything. I just touched her butt. Like if you're not put in that situation, then you have like, like they should be not maybe not to the extreme, but I think just with the rising awareness definitions will be have to put into place in terms of what's acceptable and like the definition of how things should be tried in terms of allegations. Like I know right now everything's like flooding up and there's a whole bunch of like in the news, but at the same time, you can't really marginalize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if that's the intent to try to create new knowledge about what is acceptable sexual behavior and what is not and what is consent and what is not, then that's good. Because then you're kind of like setting the new social norm for what is considered mm-hmm. to be appropriate sexual behavior and, you know, when it's welcome and when it's not. And I also think mm-hmm. that the hashtag Me Too movement has to trickle its way into high school because I think that just by hearing the stories, like these kids are, I don't know, they're like, grabbing each other all the time so i think like there has to be some sort of like educational piece also to try to instill the values we're trying to develop now in them Mm -hmm. so that they don't like the behavior that they might develop or that they're currently starting to show symptoms of can be like cut right then and there i got three points that you guys made First, I think Me Too is effective and is better than protests because it focuses on empathy and connectionness. And I think that's why that movement is a lot stronger than protesting in the street. The second thing I think is, um, do you guys think that focusing on this sexual harassment, like women, you know, like all these abuses done by, on to women, it somehow makes women weaker? in like almost putting them in a pedestal like oh look they're victims like it's at any given moment the boss could be touching the boobs to try to have sex with them you know like it, it what is the opposite effect of saying hey you guys are not really equal like us you need protection or we need to have a discussion about how to look at you or we have to get training about not to touch you in a strange way or mm-hmm. you know we need your consent to do this but at the same time, they're like, oh, we're equal. We want fair treatment. We want X, Y, Z. Right. And, you know, you just you just reminded me of something that in addition to, like, I don't think that it's, like, putting women on a pedestal or anything like that. But I do think that it has the potential to, I'm going to make up a word here, enematize males. What, what does that mean? Making them an enemy? Them? An enemy? An enemy. Not an enema. Enema. <laughs> villainizing. You mean like villainizing men. Yeah, but I wanted to create a cooler word. <laughs> okay. But anyways, Instead like, of an actual like, word. Like, yeah. Yeah. Enema man. Because then then the, the, the perception of what's appropriate, the, the perception of what's considered sexual harassment can be like it's subjective, right? So I can like, Jasmine, I mean, you can tell. Women too. Like, you, can, can... you can tell one of your female colleagues like, hey, you look really pretty today. But I can't say that. 
to anyone because it might you be. You can say it to me, Carl. I can say it to yeah. Casey. <laughs> I can tell Casey that he's pretty, but yeah. I, I don't. Nice. I don't know if I feel comfortable now, circa 2018, to to make that comment. You know, that same way too with my female coworkers. Like, I have to be very cautious in how I say things, and even though we all know, like, like I'm gay, I still have to be like, oh shit, if I say it the wrong way, it's gonna make her feel uncomfortable. And it's, it's already creating a divide. Mm. But you know what? In terms of like awareness, okay, guilty confession. Like when I was younger and I was in the workplace like 10, 12 years ago, I was really close to this one girl. And this one time she wore this like really beautiful dress into work. I'm like, oh, girl, that looks so good. Your boobies looks amazing. She's like, <laughs> oh, thank you. And I don't know what the crap I was thinking. Like, can I touch it? And she's like, okay. So like I was bouncing her boobies and while I was doing it in front of my other female coworkers, I'm like, I think this is sexual harassment <laughs> in my head. But like, it never occurred to me that I was objectifying her. We were just really close. But then like, this is like a long time ago. So, but then like, I had to like go to my boss and we had to sit down. She's like, now Casey, you can't be doing that to your female coworkers. I'm like, oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to. It, I, it didn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. But like, like, I guess I would be a sexual offender if you think about that. Yeah. But like, in other context is like, but I yeah, was I really say- young <laughs> and I didn't really know what was, what like it was. I mean, like, we were all like, kids you know in yeah. an office so like i think that element we have to take into consideration too mm-hmm. so even though like you you the two of you were cool and it was permissible like maybe in the workplace culture was that it the was not mm-hmm. so then it makes me think like something as simple as like a hug can also be perceived that way too like mm-hmm. oh you're hugging your coworker at work Ooh, you know you don't want to do that because it might be perceived a certain way Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. like most senior leaders on in organizations, they don't hug people. They just smile at them or it depends, like unless they've built a relationship and they've worked with somebody for a long time. But they, mm-hmm. it's just more or they ask permission before they could hug just because of the training that they've had to get and all these mandates that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the awareness is is good. I know you guys are just saying that, oh, well, now I have to think about it. I think you should have to think about it. Because me being kind of just in the workplace, and I know you guys are in the workplace too, but like I've had to deal with that more often than not. And it's it's not fun. And, and having to call it out to people, you feel so stupid for calling it out because you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that because maybe he didn't mean it. And then you make it okay. You make him feel okay for doing that stuff to you. And it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Like, if you make it seem like, oh, well, it was a misunderstanding, his fault, it's okay. Ignorance is ignorance is bliss. He can be excused for that because it was a mistake. But it wasn't a mistake to me. I have to think about it every day. I would see that person. Like, I know I'm getting a little emotional, but it's just from personal experience, it's not, I think it's your, like, it's the male kind of awareness that's mm-hmm. kind of comes out of it. Yeah. That's important mm-hmm. more than like you feeling like, oh God, I have to do this extra thing now just to make sure she feels comfortable. But I think that's, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. The whole point is for you to be aware and then you, it becomes part of your thought process. It becomes part of your being. And now you don't feel like it's a choice. Just now you respect your female coworkers not to do that stuff with them. But then it's also more about just the awareness. It's like you are aware and now you need to comply. Like you're aware that this is inappropriate behavior and now you have to comply to these new social norms. Like back, you know, thinking mm-hmm. back of like the sexual harassment videos of like the late 80s, you know, that they used to play like in new employee orientations. We wouldn't know mm-hmm. because we weren't in the workforce then. But, you know, they had implemented these videos and it's like this is an acceptable behavior you can't do this you can't do that if this happens to you you call this hotline or whatever they did back then but then i think like yes the awareness part is also good but then what's also important and what comes next and what i don't see a lot of is the enforcement part of it also Mm -hmm. and that's where like hr really plays a role especially in organizations like hr really plays a role so if you you know ever find yourself in these situations you have to Obviously, it's always recommended to talk to the person, but you have to re- report it or do some, you know, something because 
like this might you think that you're the that this is the only incident but it hasn't been and if there is no documentation mm-hmm. of this then there is no way in terms of for the organization for this behavior to be mm-hmm. corrected or for them to do like sensitivity training too yeah for for okay. some places if there's no paper trail it didn't happen no that's know. how it is in the in in the u.s like or anywhere like you need to like building evidence building cases and so the mm-hmm. organizations are always going to think about their best interests and how can they protect the images so thinking about how to navigate those aspects well okay you have two opposing narrative in the workplace one is behaviors that you like of what you're doing is unacceptable that this is not okay right and like so you're creating distinction between two groups, men and women. Mm-hmm. But then the other narrative you're trying to say is, we demand equality. We are just as good as you. We are just like you. I, I think it's different because we're asking equality in terms of like promotions and working and like pay. Like I think we're also asking for equality and don't touch me. I'm not going up to my my female like my male like whatever my male co-workers and grabbing their balls or whatever that would be inappropriate you know what i mean right. uh-huh. like it's just that's not something i would say a general average everyday female will do they wouldn't naturally go up to you and touch you like that like it's because it's weird it's unacceptable and it's not appropriate mm-hmm. but if you go up to a girl and you touch her but oh maybe he, he it was an accident he brushed it on her oh he said something a little too suggestive and she didn't like it like oh maybe he was just joking then that's okay. We're just asking to be treated the same and not to be marginalized from that perspective. I think it's the same thing. You're saying we want special treatment. We don't want special treatment. We want the same treatment. We don't want to feel uncomfortable to be at our desks every day. That's the main thing. I'm not feeling too articulating. I, I, um, it's not what you're asking for is the message you're coming off. Because even though you say it's not special treatment, in some way, I feel like it's a special treatment because we all have to change our behavior. And I'm not saying that that's the bad thing. What I'm saying is like you're forcing an organization to change their culture, which is something that is ingrained and it takes a long time to build. So you're really asking them to accommodate by changing the new way of looking at work. That in itself is a change. That, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, say special treatment isn't way. You're forcing someone to change the natural, their, what's been done before. So you're creating distinction in, in a sense. But then the also you, but, but then also you're demanding, not you, I mean, like, demanding that mm-hmm. there the needs to be, like, that we, that in the end, I'm just as capable. I'm just as good. I, my quality is just this thing. The only thing's different is my gender. Or, but there's right. also that you have to think about it like in a historical perspective that there's always been that um, that disadvantage that men have always had that privilege before women and so you know even just like Courtney was saying the right to vote all these different things so it's not just about that it's like we've had we've had to work harder being underrepresented to be where we are now and then to to continue to because when you go into meetings or things you're with you're with you're with you could be the only female on the table and you're all with men and so it's like these are things that you're it's still there's it's kind of like how we were talking about uh, affinity or finding like people that look like you or having that Mm -hmm. resourcefulness and awareness like that's all part of this process and messaging that that there is these inequalities and that you can't you can't just go up to somebody and and touch them or say comments and make them feel uncomfortable because that's that's harassment and there's policies there's federal policies that are mandated at any at all organizations workplaces even volunteer centers that you you know people have to comply with and these incidents have to be reported and they have to be treated sensitively yeah what do you think carl so then do you all think that it would be most efficient and most fair (laughs) to leave (laughs) your whole identity at home when you're at work and just work and that's all you're doing and then go back home no it's not that easy Mm -mm. how can you hide being a woman 
Well, no, I'm not <laughs> <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that in the workplace, <laughs> right? Like you go to do the one thing, and and that's to work, right? But then when you have people that are like very social, or they are very like grabby or affectionate in that kind of way, they might see they might see themselves that way, you know, like. Oh, you know, I'm just affectionate, so I'm going to pat all my employees in the back. A few might not feel comfortable with that. So what I'm saying is, like, does that back patter leave that element of themselves at home when they're working and just go to work to work and that's it? I don't think that's possible because of this. We bring our personality and our identity regardless of where we are. Look at the cubicles when you go to work. Everyone has kind of unique identities. They always, you know, there's mm-hmm. always something different. And there's like the difference is what cr- allows us to be creative and productive and to grow and to like move. Mm-hmm. You, when you remove the identity part of you, you can't. It, it's not possible. I mean, I think it's yeah. more. Sorry, go ahead. No, Casey. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's more so consideration of the feelings of others around you. Like, you can keep be your personality, but if your personality is making someone uncomfortable, then just don't do it around them or don't touch them or don't hug them. Like, in Casey's case, if his friend let him touch her boobs and she was totally okay with it, then that's okay in her perspective. But if the person next to her and this is totally not okay, I'm sure Casey has the right of mind to not go around and do that to every single person <laughs> around him. That was a one-time occurrence. <laughs> I think it's just, it's just being mindful of your surroundings and knowing that you're at work and you should care how others feel and just being cognizant of it but you know what i learned from that experience after chatting with my manager who was female it's not the fact that it was consent between me and my co-worker it's actually mm-hmm. the other co-workers being around how they felt and that's something that never occurred to me because it, because like harassment is not necessary can be done to you, but it's how you interpret it looking at the action. But you know what's one completely agnostic way of ensuring that something like that doesn't happen at all is if it was company policy to begin with. Because then it's on paper and then it's like, hey, this is what you signed when you decided to be an employee here and what you're doing is unacceptable. So then it's not so much about how was I perceived? How did other perceive it? How did I feel? How did you feel? How do we feel? It's on paper. It's policy. You violated the policy. There's consequences. So then I think that's why I keep going back to the enforcement part because the bringing it as an issue is important. But then what follows has to be enforcement of it. Policy development. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a long list. Mm. Yeah, the list would be endless. <laughs> don't sneeze. Don't look. So much. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open your eyes. You're going to be fired. <laughs> Don't wait. <laughs> yeah, I, this is a, um, yeah, definitely an interesting topic issue. Yeah, we might need to have a part two. <laughs> yeah, but I would like to tie it back to the original thought without the initial topic to talk about the protest where the Me Too, we wouldn't have talked about this probably naturally. Oh, really? Yeah, Mm, right. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my thing about, like, one of the protests, the gay rights movement that started in 1970, 69. And it's... That was one of the protests. You said 1970, 69. I meant 1969. The 70, 69. I forgot. It's 69. Okay. But... That, 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 that was successful protest that became a parade, but now it's almost like the parade is no longer captures the movement that started 40 years ago. Now it's just the marketing ploy for organizations to go like, Hey, we support this too. And here's a core t-shirt. Now buy from our product. And like, it just, it feels un, inauthentic. And they commercialize. Yeah. And so commercialized. And it, it just feels like a new way for organizations companies to make us feel something that to trick us but do you like going to them casey once in a while but only with my (laughs) friends 
Yeah, but you like it's I think, think that's kind of the goal. Like you were working to get noticed and to make the movement and to raise awareness and now you have this huge platform where you can do it and everyone with similar interests and kind of similar backgrounds can all come together, join and just feel comfortable in their skin. Like you have that opportunity now. You don't have to hide from it because it's there. Wasn't that the point? Oh, uh, yeah. No, uh, okay, that's a good point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess we're saying it that's uh, but that's like one of many points in like yeah I mean that's not the main issue uh, thing of the parade anymore I, I feel like it becomes less of that and more of companies mm-hmm. yeah but there's always like I, I, I see what you're saying like I think everything gets commercialized and maybe they're taking the authenticity of it but I think for someone who may might be coming out and they just don't have a place to express themselves, they can go to one of those and they know they won't be judged because it's they're in a community of their peers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're already comfortable with being like gay and you're confident in it and you embrace it. And I, I love that about you, but not everyone is at that stage yet. I feel like people still need to develop to get there because it's not as easy as we all, like it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not that comfortable. I'm pretending. <laughs> <laughs> it's all facade. Yeah. All right. Well, we are well over the 30-minute mark, so I think we should move on to the bottom line. And we should rock, paper, scissor it. See who gets a question. Okay. All right. So ready? Rock, rock paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. <gasps> so then... Two Jasmine, rocks, two paper. All right. So then two now rocks. it's okay. me and Casey because okay. we both had rock and... Okay. Jasmine and Courtney both had scissor. Okay. Rock, <laughs> paper, scissor, shoot. Yes. Casey gets the last question. I had scissor. He had a rock. Okay. One question. And it's very simple. Do you think there will come a time in point of our future where there will be no protests? And if, um, if the, if your answer is no, then why? Or is it possible? Is it too hard? Easy? No, 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 it's fine. Okay. You just have to choose someone. I choose Jasmine. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys give me blank stares. Like, did I ask the right one? <laughs> We're all like processing. We're like, okay, who's he going to pick? Hmm. I'd say that we, we can definitely live without like physical protests because now we have social media and all these different ways to campaign you could even put on a pin or a sticker or wear a hat or a t-shirt and you don't even have to it could be like a i don't know some like some sort of symbol that there's a campaign about and you see somebody wearing that symbol and you can go up to that person and you can have that empathy and that solidarity moment with that person because you share, you know, a common concern or a global concern regarding what the issue would be. Like, for example, mm-hmm. like if um, like for cancer, like you could see people wearing those pins or or there's a certain logo that you have. And like you can you can ask that person like and then you connect. So there's other ways like that you can bring awareness and have the supportive community and it's global because like symbolism if we're looking at symbolism you could you could do it in multiple ways Hmm. so casey chose me to go next i think actions speak louder than tweets and i think that unfortunately people do these online protest because it's more convenient than making a sign and going out there and marching on the street and i think that's a pretty sad thing because i mean the internet is something that can be filtered there's algorithms built into websites things can be moved around who knows maybe if there's a a twitter protest in a couple of years maybe twitter or um, a big organization that sponsors Twitter or maybe like one of the board of directors will say, hey, you see all those hashtags, you know, make sure that they only show up in 20 percent of the tweets and they can make that happen. But no one can stop you from going out into the street 
and speaking your mind. Mm-hmm. So I do think that Numbers are powerful. people will choose what's more convenient. And a lot of people will do a hashtag and say, hey, I did my part. But being civically engaged is much more than just sending a tweet. It's also about acting and putting those words into action. Kuni? Yeah. Um, I think protests mean just means a group of people coming together to want to institute change for a certain reason. So I think just because we're always evolving, the environment's always evolving, and we're going to have to try new things, and people are going to have power, and people aren't going to have power, that I think protesting is kind of inevitable, and we'll always have it, just as a consistent thing. But I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it just means people are exercising their right to kind of have an opinion. It's a human right. Mm-hmm. So, tying back to the protests, what my thought is, our system, social, economic, and political system is set up in a way where there's only winners and all losers. And protests is the discord between what people think is fair and unfair. And I don't think there's ever will be a period where people don't think things are fair because by its nature, the system oppresses. You can't have, everyone can't be a winner. There has to be only one winner and multiple losers. So I feel that, um, like, t- take for instance, women's rights. I mean, this is not a new discourse that we're talking about. This is a continuation of ever since the beginning of our country. And to take that even further, what if it's the case that women become in power? Will they do the same thing that men do? Uh, I would say yes, because in the end, we're all human beings. And... I don't think it's possible to have equality and fairness. I think it's just a changing of power. So protests will always happen. Mm-hmm. Great way to wrap up the show, Casey. And now we turn to our listeners. What do you think about modern protests? Are there any topics you'd like to hear on the show? Would you like to join us for an upcoming episode? Make sure to send us your thoughts at info at ologyresearchgroup.org and also make sure to Send us your thoughts on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) at Ology Research. Have a great week, everyone.